Well, hey there, this is Tim O'Keefe, Spider Juice Technologies, a.k.a. Coach Tim. And I have a really cool guest on today, and he is going to share with you something that uh, I don't know about you, but I've been very curious about, and that's Bitcoin. And I want to start first by introducing him because he's extremely interesting, extremely interesting background. And... Uh, and I'm reading from altfail.com, a mutual friend of ours who writes on his site. He says, holy cow, uh, people need to know what you know. And eventually I convinced this person to share his secrets about how he applied all he knew to persuade large groups of people. So in 2001, we cooperated on running a two-day course they called the Persuasion Tactics Power Summit, or for short, Persuasion Summit. And that happened right about 9-11, and uh, sadly they had to reschedule it because of the, uh, the, the issues of 9-11, and they, were, they put out a course of which I was happy to purchase, but I knew both of these people, and that's why I wanted the information, because Chris I had been following for a while, I'm not sure how long, but for a while, uh, through his drsulo.com, which became now, uh, it's archived over at covertcommunications.com. And he is a persuasion genius. He knows all the players in advertising online, uh, a lot of the uh, persuasion guys that you may or may not know about. If you go to Covert Communications and you have an interest in understanding why advertising and persuasion works, prepare to have your mind blown. But that's not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about today is Christopher Tomasulo and his interest in Bitcoin, and he's going to educate us on that. There is no sale. This is just like with the persuasion stuff, there was no sale. He is passionate about stuff. Uh, back in the day, he just told me he built a 20,000-person list, and I don't think he ever sold anything other than when he helped out with the seminar. So, Chris, welcome. Thanks, Tim. That's awesome. That great introduction. Thank you. Did I, did I capture it enough? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was 2017, and that was 2001, man. I, I just zoom <laughs> right through it. But uh, So you are, if I'm not mistaken, you're raising your family, you have children, you have your wife, and you are uh, very interested in Bitcoin as a uh, retired individual, right? Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny uh, if you. I'll tell you how I found out about Bitcoin real briefly, if you're all right with that, and then please, please. So uh, I think it was back in 2009. There was a um, a, a, a guy that basically had his own currency. I forget. I forget what it was called. I think it was called the Liberty Dollar, and he basically minted coins up and printed up um, paper money along with that and, you know, encouraged everybody to go into stores and use that as regular money, uh, which was interesting to me and kind of weird at the same time. But uh, I was like, okay. And right around, um, I'd actually heard him before 2009, but I think in 2009 he was arrested, you know, for, for, uh, for doing that. Um, it was it was basically they said that he was uh, counterfeiting U.S. money. I think because he had like a 
uh, picture of an eagle or something on there. Plus, the way I think he was marketing it kind of put it across as if, as if it was real U.S. currency. So I, I've always been interested in money and how it circulates and everything else. and um, That was really interesting to me. And so from there, I heard about Bitcoin because it had just came out. Uh, but uh, putting that on my computer just sounded like, you know, a virus waiting to happen. So I was like, yeah, I'm not, not, not putting it on my computer. And, um, you know, that's obviously a mistake. Um, I, I think it was, you know, just with a basic computer, you could mine a block is what they call it. And you could get 50 coins. And, you know, people that had their computer running all day long, they had like 10,000 of these Bitcoins on their computer, you know, in a couple of days. So that was a mistake on my part. But anyway, that's that's originally how I heard about it. And then um, in 2010, I actually uh, took a whole year and just played poker for a whole year. Um, nice. Not, I'm, not, I'm not really um, – I mean, I'm, I'm good enough to uh, not lose money, but not good enough to, like, make a living at it. But I did it. And uh, – yeah. I forgot what I saw, but somewhere online they had a thing where you could play because, you know, U.S. online poker got shut down, I think, in 2006 or 2007. I'm not sure. Yeah. But in 2010, I heard that you could go online and use this thing called Bitcoin and you could play poker. So I was like, all right, well, that sounds cool. And I uh, bought some Bitcoin and played poker. And, you know, I, I think at one point, I think they were... I don't even know what they were worth, but I mean, at one point I had a couple of hundred of them and, um, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Really cool. And, and so, you know, that's my interest has just grown from there, but that's, that's basically the origination story on how I got interested in it. Interesting. Uh, so this was one of the questions and then we can get into some of the specifics. What is it and all that? But one of the questions I had it ties in a lot with that guy going around with his own dollar or whatever it was and 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 now bitcoin what is the difference i mean i i know that uh or i don't know i recall reading i think that there were uh, have been attempts at various currencies in the US as well as other places what makes bitcoin last versus say a currency in you know in, in a prepper area in Texas or Idaho or something? That's a really good question. And see, that, that kind of was always a question in back in my mind. Like, what makes something money, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. why, you know, why isn't, uh, you know, the you know the currency on some game, you know, real money? It's not real money, I mean, but you can, you know, so what makes something real money? So, I mean, I did a lot of reading on it. I'm not going to say I'm an expert on it, but um, like uh, Mises, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing his name right, but you know, he has the uh, theory that you know nothing becomes money unless it had a value originally that wasn't money related. Huh. So um, I don't think that, I think Bitcoin kind of makes it clear that that's not the case, but it does seem that that's always been the case historically. So if you look at, and this is my own theory, I didn't get this from a book, but my theory is, is that money is an accounting tool. So as human beings, 
we need to be able to exchange things using a medium of exchange, but we have to be able to not have to trust that other person. Uh, once you once you have to trust somebody else, like let's say we let's say we decided we were going to write um, the medium of exchange on a piece of paper, right? So yeah. you know, you you give me five chickens, I write you a slip for five chickens, and then you can use that slip for five chickens with your neighbor. Well, the only way that would work is if that person knew it was a legitimate receipt from me. And they trusted that you couldn't counterfeit that. Right? Yeah. Well, that's probably not going to happen. So, so yeah, that's, right, not a, right. that's not a good money. Right? So what people used originally as money is something that normally had value already as something else. So they could use it for something else. But it had value as that other thing. And it wasn't easily counterfeitable, and it's easily carried around, and other people could check to make sure that it's a valid item and not fake. And that's why things like gold became money. So they printed it on a, on, you know, in the Roman times, you got Caesar printed on a, a piece of gold, right? In a coin. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, well, and it, doesn't even ma- it doesn't matter if Caesar was printed on the coin. Right, 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 right. The yeah. coin was worth... Melted down was worth what it's worth, right? Right. Well, well. In other words, the market usually decides what the medium of of exchange is worth, right? Or a government can step in and say we're going to only accept this for taxes. At which point, that determines kind of what the value is. Oh, okay. So, you know, you can't look at it in, a, in, a, in like an isolated uh, way. You have to say, well, governments are real. I mean, they're not, you know, a, you know, a lot of libertarian stuff or whatever they, um, and I, I used to be pretty libertarian-leaning, but not so much anymore, but um, especially when it comes to monetary stuff. But, you know, in the real world, there's governments, and they actually have a major effect on things. So, yeah. Um, uh, that's one of the things that they do have an effect on, especially things that become money. I mean, seashells could become money if they decide to, uh, if a government decides to accept that as taxes. So, well, let, let me uh, let me since we're we're kind of diving a little deep and we haven't really gotten into Bitcoin yet, but this is mm-hmm. this is interesting. Uh, and let me put on my libertarian hat for a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Okay, so we talked about the coin, and that, I think, translates pretty well, because according to the market, that chunk of, uh, or sliver of gold or silver or whatever has, has a value according to the marketplace and other things, like the government, as mm-hmm. you say. Okay, but now we put it onto paper, and that was traditionally backed by gold, and this is where a lot of people, you know, kind of get upset that we've gone off the gold standard and not to mention uh and i don't want to go down too far down this rabbit hole but you know into the whole idea of fiat money um Mm -hmm. i think it's important that you that you bring that up i I mean i don't want to go on a roundabout thing for your listeners or whatever but i yeah i actually think i think i think it's really important to understand this because otherwise bitcoin won't make sense so i I, I think tell us about that well so 
you know, so back to the, to the gold thing, you brought up a good point. So what happens is, is gold, right, is, I mean, maybe it has value on its own as jewelry or whatever. That's fine. Right. But, but in general, people realize that it's not easily findable. It's not, you know, easily fakeable. So it makes a good medium of exchange. Nobody can counterfeit it really easily. So right. those are the things that become money. So gold became money for whatever reason. <clears throat> silver sometimes too, but you know a precious metal can easily become a money, and gold did. So then you bring up the next point. Now that you have this gold, it is easily divisible. You can carry it around in your pocket. You can use it, you know, travel it places with it, and everything else. The issue becomes: if I have a bunch of this stuff and leave it in my house, I'm a target for robbers now, right? Yeah. Okay, so at that point, I want to go ahead and maybe have somebody that can centralize and afford to have guards 24-7 guard my gold, and huh. my neighbors might want that too. Right. right. And at that point, you have the beginning of banking. So everybody brings all their money over to the people that are going to guard the gold and everything. Those people get pretty smart. And, uh, you know, they, they give you receipts for your gold and say you can pick them up on demand whenever you want, you know, as long as they're open. And that way your gold's there. Now, people, rather than going to get their gold, start using those receipts in ex regular exchanges. Why should I go to the, you know, the bank to get my gold out when I could just hand my neighbor this receipt? They can go get yeah. the gold. Yeah. So the bankers realize, well, hell, a lot of people aren't coming to get their gold. Why don't we issue more receipts? Be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we have the, the beginning of fractional reserve banking. So, uh, of course, every disaster, financial disaster that has ever happened in history is a result of that. Um, they've just gotten more skilled at um, basically spreading the, the, the damages out to people other than themselves. But it used to be in the, in the initial days, people would hear, okay, well, there's actually not enough gold for all the receipts. Everybody would do what's called a run on the bank. They'd all show up with the receipts at the same time. And obviously the, the gold wouldn't be there and someone would be hanging from a tree. So, you know, <laughs> bankers don't like being hanged from trees. So, <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> so... Little by little, this, this you know they expanded how this would work. They would uh, form conglomerates. So if one bank had a run on the bank, another bank would go ahead and lend them enough to be able to make it look like they're still solvent. I mean, all kinds of things. And then, you know, in the worst case scenario, like when Roosevelt um, basically banned gold in the United States, um, he had everybody turn in their gold and get you know, paper slips in return for it. Otherwise, the bankers would have gone completely belly up in, a, in such a huge way it would have destroyed the whole United States. So. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I mean, that's one of the big issues with any commodity currency um, is you have to trust the third party with it to do stuff with it. And it also lends itself to fractional reserve type stuff. You know, instead of dealing with the actual commodity, you end up dealing with paper that can be abused and then you have trouble. 
Mm-hmm. Now, you don't need to have a commodity money per se. You can have a fiat money, but then um, unlike with a co- commodity money, somebody could counterfeit it, but then you have a government that says we're not going to allow it to be counterfeited. We're only going to, you know, and we're going to control how much is made. And that's that's pretty much where we are now. So, okay. um, yeah, so what's a Bitcoin then? If, if that's where we are now, what's a Bitcoin? So Satoshi Nakamoto, who's the guy who, this, he, he, he's a, a mystery basically. He's, you know, not a, uh, no one's met him. But he, he wrote up a white paper saying, um, we basically want to create an electronic cash that would be allow people to send payments directly from one party to another without going through a financial institution. All right? Yep. And, and so there's a few things that needed to happen. The, the a computer allows um, you to basically have it mathematically decide how many, like gold, you know, you, there's a finite amount, and it's hard to get, but there is more. So you can dig up more and get more and everything else. So they basically wanted to, he wants to replicate gold, but make it instantly transferable so you don't have to have a third party like a bank hold on to it. And easily divisible, even more so than gold, so it can go down to, you know, a, a tiny little portion of a, of a penny and make it extremely cheap to transfer it to other people. And so that, that, that was the you know, basic idea behind this. And what he used was um, um, you know, crypto, you know, cryptography, basically, is, is you know, uh, the, I don't know if you know what public and private key cryptography is, but... Um, Not with any sort of formality, so please explain. <laughs> Okay, so let's 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 say you wanted to the simplest way to look at it from Bitcoin is let's say you wanted to have a Swiss bank account that you know the old things that you heard in stories where it's a numbered account, right? So only if you have the right number you can have it, right? Yeah. Well, this this would basically be set up that way. You're your own bank now, so you have a wallet that is a is a public key. It's a big long number, all right? Kind of like a username. Yeah. You can give that to anybody and they can actually send you money to that address. But you can only access that money with your Swiss, you know, private password basically, which yeah. is another long number. And that's how it works with Bitcoin. So there's um a coin produced, all right? And then it goes into a wallet. The wallet has a public key and a private key. The public key, people can send money to that. The private key, you have access to that money. And you can also send it to other people if you have that private key. Gotcha. So in order to create the, the you know, in order to have money, it has to be a rare item. And that things that become money are rare. So they, they, they were wondering, how, how can you make this a rare in a way that's fair? So they basically used something similar to, like, mining gold. First, they said only a certain number of these will ever be able to be found. And then they created a very complicated way for you to mine it using your computer. You have to basically solve 
um, complex problems, and whoever solves that problem gets what's called a block, which would be 50 coins. Now, in the beginning, um, when there's you know uh, not that many people in the system, it's pretty easy to mine a block and get 50 coins. But as it progresses, it gets harder and harder and harder. So now, in order for somebody to do a block, you know they have to have a several million dollar complex with, you know, gigawatts of electricity in order to do the, this mining operation. Wow. So, uh, if I may, this this really uh, the thing that's going off in my head is is kind of what you started out with, which is how do you determine value? I mean, we're literally creating even uh, the value is I had to work my tail off to figure out a complicated uh, uh, problem to get my block but Mm -hmm. how is that you know other than it was a pain in the neck you know for me uh, to one degree or the other so I guess now it's valuable just based on that effort and that's an interesting when you correlate it to the way that, you know, through mankind we've done it, which you've talked about, mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting because we're, we're not talking about actual minerals or actual things of the earth. We're talking about ones and zeros <laughs> made Absolutely. out of thin air. And it, right. it's fascinating. That's fascinating. Well, well, again, if you look at, again, this is just my view of it, right? If you look at, money as an accounting tool, right? It's basically a distributed tool where you don't have to trust another person. They're trying to replicate this using mathematical formulas and computers. That doesn't automatically make it money, though. Yeah. What's, ha- what's happening at this point is people are speculating that this will become money. <laughs> so what comes first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> well, well, here's how it works. Things become money because people decide to accept them for real goods. And once right. that reaches a critical mass or a government steps in and says, okay, we're going to take that for taxes too, once it reaches that critical mass, it becomes money. So... I mean, where where are we on that path? Are we anywhere? I mean, I know that I've seen, and I you know I've never done it. You you know what it is, but I've seen people accepting Bitcoin. Are are we near near that point? Well, you can buy real stuff with Bitcoin, and it's all. And here's the here's the uh, thing that makes it even crazier is that Bitcoin is also a major. Uh, the other major thing is is Bitcoin is used to speculate on other types of cryptocurrencies. Oh, so, it, <laughs> so, it, so if you decide you want to buy some weird coin that you know no one's ever heard of or whatever, chances are you have to buy Bitcoin first in order to buy that coin. So it's kind of like the central currency in this specula- speculative market. But at this point, I consider it a, a spec. It's basically speculation. People are speculating that it's going to be used in a wide fashion. There is tons and tons of investment in it, including now, and in, you know, major financial centers are, are investing in it. Um, you know, and it, they're saying, you know, basically this thing replicates gold. It gets rid of the, some of the issues with gold, which is. You know, gold, you have to store it. 
you know, you basically got a big, you know, it, 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 <clears throat> to have gold, you have to have a big, huge storage area and someone to protect that and, and guide it. You know, make sure that yeah, no one's going to rob you. Here, you don't have any of that. So, and you can send it to somebody. They can have it instantaneously. Usually, it can be confirmed within about 20 minutes whether the transaction's gone through. And and each coin can't be double spent. That was the genius that was figured out by Satoshi. There's always been a problem with creating something like this because there's always been the issue of double spending, which is... So I send a coin to you, and I send it to my other friend real quickly, and so then I could spend twice as much money. That's always been a major uh-huh. issue in these type of currencies. Now, you've kind of touched on the legality of it. Uh, what what does the government think of it? What do governments think of it? I mean, I can't speak for world governments, but I know the U.S. government considers it a commodity. So it's it's oh. just like just like gold, you know. If you it, it's not considered a currency by the U.S. government, which does make it a little bit more of a pain in the ass because um, yeah. you, you can't just use it without paying or figuring out tax ramifications after every transaction. So if you buy a coin today and go buy a, a slice of pizza and use that coin, you have a taxable event. I mean, I'm not an accountant, but I mean, that's my... Yeah, so, yeah. So I'm not giving any, any advi- a tax advice here, but and, that's my and interpretation with, of it. And if it's a taxable event, it creates probably a little bit of a, of a harder uh, thing to figure out just because it's not the dollar. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and that brings up another good point. My philosophy always with, with this type of thing is is yes, everyone's speculating it's going to be money. You you had mentioned in, in the outline that you sent me, and I'll just bring it up now, about people using stuff illegally. The majority yeah. of the Bitcoin use in the beginning was comp- is just all black market stuff. I mean, people are on there buying drugs through the mail, and, you know, yeah. the poker site I found used Bitcoin. I mean, that's basically the value of it was determined by this black market type stuff. At this point, I'd say 90% of the value is determined by um, people that have been told this might be a great investment. So it's almost all speculation now. I mean, before I think it had more of a use, but I've never really done anything with those black market sites. But, I mean, my understanding is they've all been shut down. So I I don't know how much stuff is going on with that. I mean, I'm sure there's still, you know, stuff available or whatever, but I mean, I think another one just got shut down a few months ago. So, you know, most of the value is going on that, but if you think about it, I look at it from the pizza theory, right? So yeah. if you're, you're, you're a regular guy, you're going down to the pizza shop, are you going to go ahead and buy a Bitcoin so that you can use that to buy a pizza? Probably not. No, you're not. <laughs> for fun, you know, you want to try it out or whatever, but chances are you're not. Now, someone who mined it way back when, they'll be happy to do that, you know, but yeah. the average person isn't buying a Bitcoin to buy stuff. So the usefulness of Bitcoin is, um, as, a, as a currency, 
is minimal because everyone, you know, it's like a fish in water. That, you know, they're going to use the currency that's there. You know, that's right. what you're going to use. You're not going to use. You're not going to exchange for basically what's essentially a foreign currency to buy stuff. That's a good way of putting it. So, what is its, its purpose then? I mean, what, why why have it? Well, it does make international things a lot easier, and and you can't have anybody. You know, you can have a bank, and you could be worried that for some reason someone could, you know, freeze your bank account or a lawsuit could happen. None of that's happening on this. There's a thing called the blockchain, and all the transactions. Every, the, the, I think you put something else in there about privacy, and let me mention that. Okay. There's no anonymity on on Bitcoin, really. I mean, maybe, but not really. Every transaction that's ever happened from the time that it started is there. It's like one big, huge ledger. And unless you mine the coins yourself, there's a trail between where you bought them and everything you've done with it ever since. So the people that think they're going to, you know, somehow sidestep all, you know, the IRS or whatever are pretty much out of their minds. What is there? You just made me think of something. What is is there? Some sort of software, open source software? Is there a central uh, housing complex server of of all this that keeps track? How, how is it? How do you keep track? That's a good. That's a good question because it, it's basically completely decentralized. Any person can become a node, which is what they would, you know basically call it, and you can actually. Um, be you, you become part of the network, and so the oh. people the people with the most hashing power are the ones that approve transactions. I don't know all the details of it, but um, that's basically how it works. Everybody has a copy of that entire ledger on their computer of the nodes of of every transaction that's happened. Every oh. node has a copy. Okay. Okay. It's it's peer to peer. It's kind of like, um, I mean, I guess the best thing would be is uh, to to give you a, an analogy would be kind of like BitTorrent. Okay. Okay. So so so, what's your 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 thoughts? Is it going to last? Is it uh, is there some sort of emerging? Um, use for it beyond how it's being used largely now? My personal opinion is I think Bitcoin is going to be like gold. People are not going to use it like regular money, but it's going to be an investment vehicle like gold. That's how I see that moving. Um, Because there's just so many more benefits to it than gold. On the other hand, I mean, there are some downsides. You know, if there's an EMP attack, you know, and there's no computers, you're not really accessing your your Bitcoin at that point, and you probably want to have, you know, gold. But, you know, should should that happen? That's that's what's so fascinating about this. We're we're dealing in freaking air. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and, and we're so used to having to attach any value, at least we're told, to minerals and real, you know, tangible things, and we're, 
we're we're making uh, we're making these bitcoins have tangibility, you know, when they really don't. And and, and it's fascinating to me because also as a guy who has been on the internet and marketing and all this for all these these years, uh, and watching you know these companies develop value out of nothing has always fascinated me and uh and now here we have bitcoins and it's it's just blowing the whole uh the whole mind frame i i guess is a way to say it of of how we consider value and and currency and uh so it's this has been extremely interesting uh just on what I know about, you know, the stuff I learned in school about currency and interest rates and the Fed and blah blah blah. Uh, this this is this is a, this is wild. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add uh, that I wasn't able to ask? Well, the, the only thing I was going to say is, I mean, there's a bunch of uh, other types of these type of coins too. There's one. Like so, so Bitcoin is completely decentralized. There's another one which most Bitcoiners hate called Ripple, right? and it's, it's called, and they have a currency that's kind of like Bitcoin built in called XRP. The reason that I like Ripple is it's a central organized company, so you have somebody that's accountable. It's yeah. not, you know, it's not an anarchy, <laughs> you know, where people can just yeah. do whatever they want. But the other thing is, is they have that set up in such a way that you can use your own currency, just like the way you would normally. And then the XRP, which is the cryptocurrency, is used kind of like gold. So you have one trustless currency. All, all uh-huh. these things are based on not having trust. So if you have gold, you don't have to trust anybody with your ledger balance like you do with a bank. Right. Yeah. If it's in your house, you don't have to trust anybody. Well, that's basically what all these crypto coins are set up to do, to have trustless transactions. You don't have to have a third party. Okay? Um, so Ripple has an XRP, which is a cryptocurrency that's a trustless currency, but I can also transact with you in U.S. dollars, and I can also transact with you in euros. That kind of thing is, and and banks can use it to transfer money to each other without having to go through a huge system. It would replace SWIFT. I don't know if you know what that is. Explain that to the people. SWIFT, it's a a way for banks to um, settle transactions between each other. And it it takes time. You know, it's it's kind of an archaic system. It's sort of like text messaging uh, with little text messages to be able to settle transactions between banks. Here they would be able to do the, the, the you know, it was started back in 1973. It's, it's the Society of Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication. And it's a system to let financial institutions, you know, send in, and receive information about financial transactions in a, in a secure way. So this would basically do the same thing, but instead of it taking the time it does now, it would take, like, literally five seconds. Le- on that note, let me ask him, is, is that, uh, uh, does that 
have any bearing on I always thought that the the time for transactions was was largely BS and it was just to give the the banks a little uh, float interest well you, are you talking about uh, transactions um, you know like between your bank a, and another bank yeah just a simple transaction I get a, a you know a nice uh, you know, pretty large sum of money and a check. I stick it in the bank. Uh, it takes, uh, you know, a week or whatever it does sometimes for them to finally uh, to pull it out of the other place. I'm not sure uh, if, it, if that has to do with SWIFT. I think SWIFT is more of an international thing. So, like, banks are... Mm. I'm not 100% sure on that. Interesting. So. Um, hey, I... You're very knowledgeable on this stuff. How did you learn all this stuff? Is can is there something uh, a place that uh, that if people wanted to find out more about this, that you would point them to? Uh, well, I mean, the number the f- number one thing that I think that people should do if they're interested in Bitcoin, you know, is is not just listen to what the pundits say on the financial TV. Like, actually, you know. Look what it is. Go to Bitcoin.org and read the original white paper. That's Satoshi Nakamoto. I mean, some of it's a little complicated, but you know, read through it anyway. You figure out what's going on and um, buy a Bitcoin. Figure out how to do that. Figure out how to send it from one wallet to another. You know, once you can do that stuff and you kind of see what it can do, you know, then 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 you know whether you want to invest in this or not. You know. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I, w- I wouldn't recommend people just, inv- you know, I, I know it's a, it's a big thing right now. You know, like with Agora Publishing, they're hammering that to all their newsletters, I think, with this stuff, which I, I'm sure people well, are making a lot of money. That, that's an interesting distinction that I wanted to ask, because now when you say invest, is there, uh, is it like investing in gold, or are you just saying go buy some that through your computer because I, 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 somebody had mentioned on Facebook the, the other day uh, that oh they they made you know ex, you know they done well they're up at whatever percent on, on Bitcoin so far this year or something like that and I'm like well is it on like a market or is it just how, I mean what does he mean when he says that? Well, yeah, it's sold on exchanges just like gold would be or a stock market, but it's not regulated the same way because it's an international thing and there's no real U.S. markets. Now, I don't know how you pronounce their name. I think it's Wickelvoss, the guys that basically originally did Facebook. and Oh, yeah, sure. had, had their, the brothers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they, I forgot how many Bitcoins they bought, but they bought like a couple of hundred thousand of them, I think. <laughs> And they basically want to start an ETF uh, with that. And they haven't gotten approval from the, um, I, I forgot which agency approves that or not, but they've got denied twice. But, you know, when something like that gets approved and then you can have big, you know, institutional investors investing in Bitcoin, I mean, it's that's going to open the market pretty wide. Yeah. Right now... It's, you know, just people getting online. They go to exchanges like um, the major U.S. one isn't really an exchange. You just buy it for a premium. It's called Coinbase. Um, there's other exchanges like Bitstamp. And, um, you know, it's live. It's a live exchange. So, you know, people put stuff up to sell, and you can buy it, and, you know, you can sell your stuff there. 
the thing to keep in mind, like a lot of the things that people hear about Bitcoin in the past, they're like, well, people lost, you know, basically $50 million worth of Bitcoin and this, that, you know, and so it's not as secure as everyone says it is. The thing to understand is that's kind of like a banking situation, just like, you know, when you let somebody else hold your gold, you now have, you got to trust that third party. So a lot of people, they buy Bitcoin on an exchange and they leave it on the exchange. They don't put it into their own wallet, mostly because they don't know how to do that. So then if the exchange goes out of business, you no longer have your Bitcoin. Oh, Bitcoin, yeah. Bitcoin was still secure, just like gold is still secure. But if you hand your gold off to the banker and the banker goes out of business, it's not gold's fault. <laughs> Right. So, right. you know, but that that's kind of how, how it's presented in the press. It's like, well, Bitcoin wasn't as secure as everyone thought it was. Well, yeah, it is. But, you know, it, it was in the hands of somebody else. It was in a third party's hands. So. I got you. I got you. You, you also, uh, you have your own group. That's why I, I came to you. You have your own group that discusses this stuff uh how can people find that on facebook and then what else what do you guys talk about uh yeah i made the uh it's called the crypto coin club and it's a facebook uh facebook group i still haven't figured out if there's other things named crypto coin club and i i don't know how to make a uh, uh a custom name yet i haven't figured out how to do that but um, you know, basically, we you know we go over current news about Bitcoin and other coins, and uh, I mess around sometimes and put up there, you know, different types of trading things I'm thinking about. Because I mean, there's two ways to look at Bitcoin. You can look at it as a long-term investment, which is probably the best way to go. And then also, when things are going up and down, one one cool thing is if you like trading, um, you know, Bitcoin in one week can move up or down a thousand dollars at this point so i mean if you like trading and there's nothing better than volatility so um we, we yeah we discuss stuff like that too and you know just put up things no trading advice per se but you know just put up what well, you know different things we're thinking about on that and, and it's really uh, joint. it's not like there's you're selling anything it's just right you're Discussion. Yeah, yeah. I, I just set it up uh, basically uh, because um, I was posting a lot about Bitcoin on my personal timeline, and I felt like people that don't care about Bitcoin probably don't want to see that nonstop. So. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Hey, Chris, I really appreciate uh, this discussion because it, it really – it, it, it gave me a lot of questions that I can go on for the next four hours about, but I think it gave enough information to really kind of give people an idea, and certainly it gave me an idea of what we are talking about and uh, the whole discussion and tying it into the way currency began and then how it is now is, is fascinating. It's even more interesting than I, than I thought. Uh, when we started. But uh, having said that, I, I've never done anything like this that has anything to do with money, so I guess I should put a disclosure. This is not investment <laughs> advice in any way uh, uh, at all. It's, it's, in, it's for your 
uh, interest and hopefully uh, a little bit of education, but it's definitely not advice, uh, right? Definitely not. Definitely not for me. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. no, no, no uh, financial advice, legal advice, or or tax advice. Uh, uh, yeah. but, <laughs> but but it is interesting. I mean, it's it's it I've, fascinating. And I, now, the, the most fascinating part is 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 to me is how a va- something has become a value that you compared to gold, and that's pretty wild. Um, anyway, listen, I appreciate your time. Hopefully everybody learned something. I know I did. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you on Facebook, buddy. All right. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on here, Tim. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Oh my gosh.